We just uh, want to make a quick disclaimer. Uh, what are we, Ariana? <laughs> Anything. <laughs> Anything but experts. <laughs> we're, we're not experts. We are not professionals. We are literally 21-year-olds, 20 and 21-year-olds, who like to talk about things. So uh, don't take everything we say with a bit of a grain of salt, and we hope that this helps you anyways. Uh, we, I would like to remind not professionals, just people who talk about things. Thank you. Enjoy the episode. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> Welcome to another Monday of... No one gets away with anything. Today with you, we are... Jose Rafael Chaneri and... Ariana Lopez. Damn. Beautiful. Amazing. On point. I like it. <laughs> Welcome to Book Club Part 2. Yes, we're doing a Beyond Order, the second set of rules we're doing from Rule 7 up to Rule 12 today. No. No? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, like, good. Uh, I'm like, okay. <laughs> Did I make a mistake already? <laughs> Let's just get started then. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. um, well, for context, we already did the first part of this book. So if you haven't watched that, just go a bit up in our episodes and take a look at that one first, I would leave. Yeah, a lot of people were like, when are you putting out part two? Because, like, I was interested. And, it, like, we recorded it, like, three times. Yeah, we've had so many technical issues for this, but yes. uh, we apologize. Now, uh, because of some fortuitous things, we are now f- 100% sure that everything is... <laughs> is working properly. <laughs> is recording correctly. In every we've learned our lessons. Is the universe telling us, like, look, you yeah. have to do things right. Um, okay, so look, uh, again, we're going to... Ariana's going to read the name of the chapter, and then I'm going to explain a little bit of it, because... I was the one who read it. Ariana hasn't, and she's kind of learning retroactively to whatever I'm telling you. I'm learning as much as you are. Yeah. Uh, So go ahead. Okay. First of all, you need to work as hard as you possibly can on at least one thing and see what happens. Okay. Yeah. So um, this is clearly... I think this one's very clear. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's very straightforward. Uh, I've talked about this before in the podcast. You know, I did this... uh, and I keep doing it in a lot of things. For example, there's a lot of people that say, you know, I'm going to work really hard on my mental health from now on. And like they do it so well that they become incredibly peaceful people. Mm-hmm. And so it's if you work as hard as you can, like possibly can on something, this weird thing happens where you get further than you could have imagined mm-hmm. that you could go. It's it's I mean, I understand and I think I said this when we recorded before, but I agree until a certain extent. Why? For example, and I, I remember I said this exact same thing the last time we recorded. It says, like, we are people who do a lot, you know? And we're staged in our life where we do a lot. And Definitely. I'm sure this, there's, this happens to, you know, many people beyond us, right? So I don't think right now in my life I have the ability or I want to focus only on one thing. You know, I feel like I need to explore it. For example, I have school, right? And I also have relationship. Yeah. Right? I also have work. And I also have my leisure with the podcast. But I also want to work out, you know? Yeah. And all those things play a very important role in my life. If I leave working out, I'm, you know, that's something that's part of taking care of myself. If I abandon my podcast, it's something that I really enjoy. And it's a project that I really want to see growing. So I don't want to do that. If I abandon my work, there's a profitability part of my life which changes. <laughs> we <laughs> and have I'm, to eat you know, something. I'm not even working that much. You know, it's like I don't need to maintain myself. But also, like, I think it's a bit of self-growth. I, I really wanted to get a job this year. Yeah. 
and that for me is very important, right? Oh, congratulations, and, everybody! A round of applause. She got a job, which oh is God. awesome. Actually, yeah, I've seriously. talked about it before. And I go to things to you, so thank Aww, you. Oh, thank you. And then there's also you know the core things in my life right now, which is basically school and relationships, both from you know family wise and friend wise and love wise, which are all like they're all hard to maintain. You need to pour time in it. So that's what I think. Yeah, I, look, definitely, I agree with you. There's, there's something about juggling your life which is incredibly satisfying. But I think that's exactly what we do when you're 20. You work incredibly hard at yeah. learning how to juggle your life. That's yeah. what you're working super hard for. Mm -hmm. And I think that looking, o sea, si lo ves nada más desde la perspectiva de trabajar muy duro en una cosa. Eh, nunca nunca en ningún Never. momento de tu vida sí, sí. and like if you are going to be stupid about it like because you need to eat and sleep mm -hmm. that's it like seriously but you have you have moments in your life you can work really hard at one specific thing and it's mostly an experiment so the, the reason why Peterson points this out is that you should know your limits as a person and you should know how hard you can work how hard how much you can Fair do enough. and uh So, yeah, I think it's true. I think you made a fair point. I made a fair point. <laughs> Because I don't know if this happens to you, but now, the thing about doing many things in Madrid is that from thing one to thing two, you at least have to take 30 minutes. 30 minutes, yes. And that's being super optimistic. Come on, that's an yeah, that's case. If, if the bus lines up with the metro and lines up with you getting a seat and everything. And that you slept at your girlfriend's place so that you're close to the thing. You and know? that you picked up your clothes. No, no. So, the, yeah. really? Come on. At least in a very, very, very good day, you're going to take 30 minutes from thing A to thing B. Yeah. And usually, you know, for example, for me, it's like work from uni, it's at least 40 minutes. Uni from my house, it's at least 40 minutes. My house from work is at least 50. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's a very different. I And what I was going to say is that and during all those walks, like whenever I walk from work to the metro station or yeah. from the metro station to uni, I sometimes just think like, Jesus Christ. I'm like I am in so many things at the same time. Like <laughs> the walk is literally the only time where I get to, you know, just look around and sit still. It's your free time in many ways. Like no. I, I, I no longer watch series at home. Like I used to lay on my bed and watch Netflix. I am now infinitely trained. Like my hand is a stabilizer. Like I'm trained to walk through the metro and like be able to, <laughs> you know, watch it while having like a, mm -hmm. an umbrella and my book bag and my coat and sí. everything. It's well, but something. So I really now I've learned that that I I need to make time for nothing. Yes, a hundred percent. And okay. Bueno, let's keep going with the rules because I think this goes along with the different one. But before that, it's there's this ironic point in our lives where I think like we have so many opportunities and I want to take all of them. Yeah. I was telling you before, like there's this thing of going to MUN, doing more MUN, going to international MUN, which is tickling my fingers. You know, I'm, a, I'm about to just like go there and be like, yes, I'm going to do this and I'll figure it out later. Because that's what we're used to doing, just figuring it out, you know, getting it. But... Pulling it out of our asses. Uh -huh. but, yes. but, but you know, there's there's other people in the in the other end, you know, like there's my family, there's my boyfriend, there's my friends. And I do think that you end up sacrificing those relationships for these activities. So it's an interesting perspective to this rule, yeah. which is work as hard as you possibly can on something and see what happens. We, we generally, and I think it's because of the way that we grew up, we tend to think about this as doing something. You can work really hard at doing nothing, at having time for yourself. Sure. And I think that maybe that's the challenge that we have. You know, we have so many things that 
having time for ourselves is already difficult enough. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, And let's go to the next fair one. Fair enough. Rule number two. Try to make a room in your house as beautiful as possible. Yes, try to make one room in your house as beautiful as possible. There's... You want to say something about this? Um, I do want to say one thing, which is I kind of knew this. Uh, before the book? Before, yeah. Uh, but like in a weird way, my aunts and uncles used to always say like, yeah, you're going to go off to college and you're going to live alone and your house is going to be like super messed up. And certainly a little bit, but there's always a part of my house that is really clean. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I learned from my parents. And my parents do this in a very difficult, different way. But it's something that was in me. It's not like I ever lived in a frat house kind of way where mm -hmm. everything is a mess. And I think it's just been ingrained in who I am as a person. So I found this rule incredibly relatable. And the chapter is super wholesome. Um, probably if I had to pick one favorite, it wouldn't be this one, but it would be pretty close to my favorite chapter. Because, uh, again, it's something that I already had mm -hmm. in my life. I don't know about you. Well, for example... I think I, I, in my case, it's basically I always try to keep my house as clean as possible, understanding my limitations, which is basically I am the one who needs to clean my house. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the one, like the whole apartment, right? So, yeah, like I always try, for, at least for my living room, which is the place where I arrived to, you know, to be like as beautiful as possible for me to feel like I'm getting home, yeah. you know? But there's another thing that I think is very interesting. Christmas. I'm very, very, very excited to go back home and spend Christmas with my family, right? Yes, and I, I understand. The, the image I have of is basically me arriving from the airport, opening the door and seeing my house as beautiful as I know it always is on Christmas because it's such a wholesome feeling and it's such a wholesome time of the year that for me, literally, like I've been telling my boyfriend for this whole month, like, I'm happy only because it's Christmas. Come on. For me, that's a reason enough to be happy. And the fact that, you know, you can just like ambience your house for that to be even more present is so meaningful, at least for me. And yeah, I, I have very clear memories of uh, having the bare Christmas tree mm -hmm. with nothing on it mm -hmm. and inviting my friends over. And my mom would make cookies and tea and we would all just, you know decorate mm -hmm. the christmas tree together those really wholesome family memories mm -hmm. that i don't know they're they're an integrated part of who i am and i understand 100 like if i imagine myself going back to venezuela like in a month i would imagine that we were you know uh we would be caroling every every week Uh, it would be super annoying because you would see the entire family, mm -hmm. but you secretly love all of them and they love you. But it's, you know, yeah, 100%. See, so I, I really think that the the power of, you know, rooms and decoration is very emotional. So Yeah, well, he, J Peterson, when he talks about this chapter, he basically th says that you need beauty in your life. Mm -hmm. Like life without music, life without art would be pretty dull. And what he says basically is that we live, especially if you're a person that follows the last eight rules that he said in mm -hmm. the book, you're generally a person that is doing something important with his mm -hmm. life. In, important for him, her, and, and, and in, a, in, a, in a clear spec that way. Like, you know, I am doing things that I want. What you said right before, like, you know, I have a lot of things that I want to do. I have a lot of ambitions. I have a lot of options and choices in what I want to do. And this is important for me. And I think that 
um, he says, like, if you're living your life like that and you are busy with other things, you forget that there's a transcendental beauty to the world and you need to be reminded of it daily. And the only way that you can do it mm -hmm. is if you make space for it in your own house. Absolutely. And bueno, before we go in, there's another, this, this is another thing. My boyfriend's house right now, he has two beautiful windows that that have like some trees right after. Very similar to this one, but the trees are like literally just in front of the windows. Okay. Right? So there is this moment of waking up, making a coffee and sitting beside the window that has so much power. Yeah. And that, yeah, perfectly aligns with this. It's like that room in his house is so bright and happy that you know the, the act of sitting there drinking coffee and thinking about your day is so much changing i just invite all of you to you know find your spaces yeah especially if you're doing it in the morning huberman lab podcast look at the sun in the morning early in the morning five minutes no windows just outside with the sun you will have a lot better sleep um wow. okay next rule next rule If old memories still upset you, write them down carefully and completely, completely. I just thought I didn't write the whole thing. And I was like, I'm not sure if there was something <laughs> supposed to come after completely. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, if old memories still upset you, write them down carefully and completely. It is basically that. Uh, so, again, Peterson's a psychologist. He has a psychological reason for this. And it's basically that. If you your memories possess you mm -hmm. and if you don't solve problems that are longer than 18 months old, you basically live in the past. So if I don't know if you've ever seen Fleabag. No, I highly recommend that you see it. It's an uh, actually our dear Carolina uh, recommended it to, uh, to me. It's amazingly good. Uh, but basically the story is literally about a woman repeating her pattern, uh, her patterns because she hasn't gotten over something that happened in the, in her yeah. past. And it's so weird how we live that daily and yeah. you don't know it. And you, something affected you in a positive or a negative way and you just haven't been able to work through it and understand it properly. And then you, you stay stuck in that loop. Mm -hmm. And so what he says is, look, You, what you need after that is just a really honest dynamic and and you know complete conversation with yourself that you can look at and see if it's right or wrong because if you write something down about yourself about something that you live through and then you read it again and it's not honest it's not truthful it's not actually what you think then you know there's a problem mm -hmm. then you know you know I'm not being honest with myself there's mm -hmm. something here and you can rewrite it until you find the most truthful side of that to you okay and it's incredibly useful i i think a very common example of this is parenting let's say you grew up in a household that had some sort of complications which can be even mild yeah but as a child you maybe perceive them very differently or your sponge a little thing tips yeah, exactly. you off you know and i think once Being a child, first of all, it's harder to do that and even to realize that. And once you grow up, you still have the task to, you know, forgive even if you, you know, even if you're not going to get any sort of redemption, you have to do it for yourself. Yeah. I had an experience recently. I started going to the psychologist mm -hmm. and she asked me to do an exercise about my 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 history as a person. And we started at minus six years old, okay. which is weird because like I didn't exist. 
And she started asking me about something. And I had this revelation because I've been thinking a lot about my past in general. Basically because I started rewatching my favorite anime, which was the first one I ever watched, which is Naruto. Highly recommend that you watch Naruto. If you don't, like, if you do watch it, like, you're in my heart. Uh, basically because I wanted my girlfriend to watch it and I wanted my little sister to watch it because I realized there's something essential about me as a human being that I learned through watching that series. And it's really funny because it has to do a lot with Jordan Peterson. It has to do a lot with, you know, the Jungian shadow, which is that dark part of you that mm -hmm. most people don't like to acknowledge. The story is about a kid who, who harnesses his dark side and he does it so well that he inspires people around them and around him to become better. Mm -hmm. And it's so inspiring and such a good story for young people to hear. And it's a story that, that helped me a lot. And it, it, it had such a positive impact in who I am that I started revisiting my past in many ways. I made my sister, my little sister watch it and she's really like, she's loving it. it. My girlfriend is surprised. Like I would never have watched anime and I'm like, she kept, <laughs> kind of liking it, you know? And then I was at the psychologist and I told her like, tell me one thing that you have like oddly in your life that is odd to you, but it, it has a lot of meaning. And I said this. Your cup? My cup with my last name on it. Uh, this was a birthday present that somebody gave me. But then we started talking about my life and I realized something and it's like, my there's a story of how when i was about to be born mm -hmm. so my mom was on her like four months three months in into the pregnancy and my grandfather on my dad's side was very sick he had cancer okay and he was like in the terminal side he like they had my, he was a he was a surgeon and so was my dad and so they had made a panel to discuss mm -hmm. if it was you know if it was possible to save him or not and like the result had just come in like he was not going to be saved okay and then like a week after that, my mom got her ultrasound. And so my, my grandfather was the first, like, his, was the older brother. Okay. And then my dad was his oldest son. Mm -hmm. And then that day, he figured out for, like, that I was going to be a boy. So that I was going to be the first of my line of Ochoas. And then boy, he died two weeks later or a month later, which is... I had never talked about it like that. Like I've, I'd always mentioned it like a tabletop mm -hmm. story. And then I thought about it and it's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, memories can affect you positively and negatively. Mm -hmm. Like positive memories, like the memory of my grandfather, uh, who I didn't meet, but, you know, through stories and everything, has a positive effect on me that mm -hmm. I still have to like, like process properly, mm -hmm. which is so weird. That's exactly what grief is. Mm -hmm. Grief is love and positive emotions that you have to process because they're too much and i don't know i thought about that today that it doesn't it doesn't always have to be like trauma or something negative that happened to you you mm -hmm. also need to process positive things that happen to you that's true yeah Do you and, have anything and, like and that? to seize them it's what i traditions yeah the the memory of traditions can get me super happy very quickly at christmas you yeah. know and i think i've i've seen somewhere that you know the emotions of the moment can be even stronger when you recall them and i think that's very powerful it definitely is okay let's go to rule number 10 10 oh this one's interesting yeah plan and work dil diligently to maintain the romans in your relationship so and it's weird and he says this a lot it's like 
people don't relate working hard and planning with right. romance. Like we we relate romance with spontaneity and we relate romance with, you know, being in the moment and doing all this. And then he asks this question and he does it in a very funny way, which I love. It's it's very it's a very who do you think you are kind of way. He says like, "Who told you that you know how to go out on a date? Who told you that you know how to be with someone for 35 years of marriage or 45 years of marriage. Mm-hmm. Who told you that you even know how to have sex with someone? Have you had that conversation with your like with your significant, significant other? other? Come on. <laughs> have you? Because you probably haven't. So he goes into this rant about like, do you like look at your life, mathematically speaking, figure out how much time you want to be married. If you want marriage to last forever, at least mm-hmm. until you're dead. Or one of you said, then how much time would you spend together? On average, life expectancy, 80, 80, years. 80 something years of life. Huh. That would mean that you, if you get married between your 20s and your 30s, you would have something between 50, 60 years of marriage. Mm-hmm. That's 20, 60, that, that's 60, 50 years of your life. That means every time you go to sleep, every time you eat in your house, every time you go on holiday, every time you watch a movie you're probably doing with your significant other. Right. How much time of your life is that? It's, it's it's more than half. And it's what we were saying before. Relationships, they're beautiful and they're amazing. And, you know, what you need to do for that is dedicate time, dedicate energy and dedicate effort. Yeah. And it's what you were saying. Perhaps sometimes we somehow give it for granted or assume it's just going to, flow naturally yeah when in fact sometimes you actually have to sit down and talk about it yeah because there's also this thing of what's romance for you what's romance for me what do you expect and i saw i think i saw it on instagram one of these days it said like yeah the honeymoon phase why is it a honeymoon phase because since you were so excited about something your significant other is targeting all the five forms of love language you know, and perhaps not all five are significant to you, but the ones that are significant to you are being fulfilled. Once that honeymoon phase is over and your significant other, you know, goes back to its life and now, but they still have you, they're going to target two, three of that forms of languages, but not necessarily the ones that are significant for you. And that's why it's not a honeymoon phase anymore, because you're not being bombarded by love. Love is being more like, you know more concise to say it somehow so the key is to make sure that you know the the forms of love language that are being targeted coincide with what you expect from your significant other and i thought it was super interesting the way she said it that's awesome Mm -hmm. oh and i think something else is like uh we don't know how to go out on dates have you ever had a date with your boyfriend kind of awkward yes and no like it's never really awkward because you know them a lot but Mm -hmm. like at the same time, there's moments where it's like, what do we do now? Why did we stray into this topic where like none of us have like we we went into a dead end conversation and there's like like we're eating quietly, which is also mm-hmm. cool. Like having the amount of intimacy with someone to be quiet with them is awesome. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things I, I need to stop I, I, whenever I say but um, I, I remember my M.U.N. teacher just saying, like, stop it. <laughs> uh However, he, yeah, however, uh, <laughs> uh, moreover, uh, what, what he says is like, 
talk about how would you like to date like figure it out because you don't know esa es la otra cosa like you don't know esa es la otra cosa Which, and, 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 look I, I've had this conversation <laughs> with people before uh, how do you know what you like sexually you don't you have to live through it exactly and then you know mm -hmm. and it's like uh, there's a Spanish saying that says don la vida que probarlo and it's like well I'm not I don't go that far but You do have to try. You have to try things, especially in romance. And so if you try it long enough, if you spend 10% of your relationship trying new experimental ways of creating romance and creating these intimate spaces, at some point you'll get good mm -hmm. at it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Um, okay, rule number 11. Do not allow yourself to become resentful, deceitful, or arrogant. And the, the thing I wrote down for this one is, it's so nice to be happy because you're grateful. Damn. It's, and I, this is something I've been thinking about so much lately. It's like, I am happy. And when people ask me, how are you? I can simply answer happy. And even if my day is not being the best, the fact that I have the ability to say, yeah, I'm happy, is going to improve my mood. I think it's a super powerful tool. I agree. I have this thing, and again, I've been thinking recently about family and about my life. And the, I wrote cancer because, you know, because my mom had cancer mm -hmm. and everything. And I wrote acceptance, being hurt. And I wrote something called ripple effect, which is kind of what I wanted to, to talk about. You and I and every single person, every one of the five million Venezuelans who live outside of Venezuela are part of a ripple effect. Okay. That started with, well, we, none of us really know where it started, but, you know, it started somewhere with being arrogant and deceitful. Mm -hmm. Like, A Hundred Years of Solitude. Have you read the book? I didn't finish. Uh, it's amazing. I recommend that you do. And there's two books. There's, there's also El Mundo Sofia. Mm-hmm. Uh, are two books that talk about how resentment and deceitfulness and arrogance have literally consumed Latin America for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because the people that I admire the most in Latin America and the, in the world are people who have had bad things happen to them mm -hmm. and have become incredible people as a consequence. Okay. Uh, I have a lot of people that I met when I was in my, in high school that I know didn't have the best time when they were in high school. I know that they were, you know, like me in some cases, socially awkward or mm -hmm. social outcasts. And actually I made a, an episode the other day for my other podcast there to think. And it was like about it. It has been this guy's birthday. And I remember that after he moved away, when I was in like my last or next to last year of high school, whenever I saw a picture of him on Instagram and I saw him, you know, thriving, I thought I saw him that he was genuinely in a really good place. He had found a sense of fashion. So he was mm -hmm. dressing up like better and eating, eating and you could see that he had like found mm -hmm. his stride as a person. And every time I saw a picture of him, I would get really happy. Seriously. It, it would light me up inside. And the other day his girlfriend texts me mm -hmm. And she texted me like the last time I spoke with this guy was in the middle of quarantine okay. for uh, one of our friends birthdays okay. where I got so drunk I blacked out and woke up in my like bed because it was quarantine. So I was like okay. in my house. Um, yeah. 
quarantine alcoholicness mm-hmm. a thing. And I remember that was the last time I, I spoke to him. And I remember his girlfriend texting me the other day, like, look, it's it's the, it's his birthday in like three days. And I'm making him a video. Uh, and you're the only t- friend from Venezuela that he really talks about. And I, I would love it if you could make a video for him. Mm-hmm. And I like I went head over here. So I was like, of course. And I sent him like four other friends that I know love him mm-hmm. and that could make a video too. And then I told him like, but what's up? And he's like, he went to Miami for, you know, for, for Erasmus or, mm-hmm. you know, for exchange. And, you know, he's feeling a bit lonely because it's his birthday and he's not with his family. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting down, I, I was watching Naruto and I was doing all these things and I was like, this person changed me a lot. So his, uh, his reluctance to becoming an arrogant person or to becoming a person that was, you know, consumed by, which I did. I did it a lot. I, I got angry because I, I, I didn't fit in at my school mm-hmm. because I didn't like the things that happened to me. I didn't feel as socially accepted as I should have. I let that make me angry and okay. I let that make a lot. And it made me have a lot of mistakes. And I always felt from him, especially probably it's this is not reality. Probably he did the same thing as me and he figured it out later. But having him as this thing that I saw from far away that got over the same thing that mm-hmm. I couldn't gave me a lot of hope that I, you know, that I could get over it, that I could become a better person. And I think it's so weird that the, the, the mark and the ripple effect that people can leave. Like if I don't know who did it and I don't know if anybody has ever told you listening or the people around you that if you do something good, people, people will react to it and, Mm -hmm. and they will, they will feel inspired to do good. And even if you're living through Venezuela in its worst, you can literally see a person next to you who got over it. And it's inspiration enough, I guess. Yeah. Wow, that was deep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, what I want to say about this is I feel that resentment makes you sad. And... Maybe this is a bit too strong and like, yeah, as a disclaimer, we're not experts in this situation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like I can, I've seen people, you know, who I very much love get sad or depressed because they're not able to see beyond a small thing, you know, that somebody else did to them, perhaps even unintentionally that stayed with them and that since it's a characteristic of one's personality right you do it with one person you do it with another and that, that adds up to a point where you feel like you cannot trust anybody anymore or nobody likes you enough anymore yeah or nobody's there for you anymore right and that makes you sad so even if you feel like you need to like hold people accountable for that you're only holding yourself back and literally putting yourself in a prison cell because nobody's gonna be all the time like rindiéndote cuentas I don't know how you say it in English you know keeping tabs on you because everybody's too busy believing that they're the center of the world as in to understand that you feel like you're at the center of your world you yeah. know and those even if yes it would be amazing if people always forget you know said sorry first you need to say that something bothers you to expect the other person to think about it yeah. otherwise you have no right in my opinion to you know like assume that and I am the first one to make that sin, especially in my relationship. <laughs> um, but it happens. Yeah. And 
even if you say X or Y, the other person maybe did not pay that much attention to it. You're the only one that's going to get stuck. The other person is going to move on. So just like, you know, get your ass up and go be happy. Okay? You're not here to stay sad. <laughs> okay, and then this adds and, you know, bonds perfectly with the last one. And it's a very profound one, which is be grateful in spite of your suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, Peterson was dying when he wrote this, literally. He mm-hmm. had a really weird, bad disease that the rate of suicides is crazy. And he survived. But when he was writing it, he was in the midst of a very dark place. And he wrote a chapter literally about being grateful in spite of your suffering. And I want to echo what you said before. There's nothing better than being happy about being grateful. Mm -hmm. It's so powerful. That's everything I have to say. This, especially, yeah, we always talk about it. I wake up every morning. I realize how far my family is and how much I love them and everything they give me and how close I feel them to myself. Then... I wake up and I see my house, you know, it's like I am grateful enough to have a place like this for me to live in. I am ha- I'm healthy, you know, it's like I don't feel sick. I can exercise if I want to. I can go to uni and I have amazing opportunities there. I have people who love me. I have people who I love. I have food. I can enjoy so many things in my life right now. And I've been in places where I just simply don't want to enjoy anything. So it's just like... You can be so happy by just acknowledging that, you know, why not do it? This makes me think a lot. We've been talking about this in class for like a month. When I'm, I'm asking this honestly to you right now, but to everyone who's going to listen later. When was the last time you sat through a class and didn't get distracted? You don't remember. Uh, we were talking about this and a friend of mine said, uh, she's Mexican. She said, ¿Qué putas? No entiendo. Like, she said, my mom, I was telling my mom that, you know, the class was very boring and that I couldn't concentrate. And she was like, what do you mean? You live in Europe. You have such a, an incredible life. And you can't fucking pay attention mm-hmm. for an hour? Really? Yeah. And it's not, I don't, my idea isn't to barrage anyone or to make anyone feel bad about whether or not they pay attention in class. I think the point is that life is difficult, including those moments that we don't understand. Like, I think there's a reason why we don't pay attention in class. And I think that reason is important to explore. And we suffer because of it. We know we feel bad. And if you're a bit like me, just not paying attention to a teacher and then noticing that that teacher is giving the class to two Mm -hmm. students who are paying attention in that moment. But in 10 seconds are going to be halfway through the Zara catalog. Look. It's you, you feel bad. And I feel like having our ability for suffering is like the thing that tells us where things are going wrong in the world. It's impossible not to suffer. I think even even more than being grateful in spite of my suffering, I think, and I've reached this conclusion many times, it's you have to be grateful for your suffering. It tells you where things need to be fixed. It tells you where the world needs to be better. And even if it's sometimes meaningless, it, it can be. Even there, you can learn about yourself. You can learn about the world and you can become better. That might be very idealistic, but mm-hmm. I think it's a very nice idea. It's a, I think it's a very nice idea. The thing is, like about being grateful for your suffering, I understand, I think, where your idea comes from. But at the same time, like when you're there, I think it's also like complicated. You know? Oh, definitely. 
like it's i agree with the fact that you learn so much when things don't go right ways and there's this saying that says like if you, if something good happens you have to pay a price for it and if something bad happens you are going to get something out of it yeah. you know and that's for example the way i like to see it you know so yeah it, like however you want to put it it's true that suffering like it, it's going to teach you a lot so whatever is the way that you can use to remind yourself that that's a tool for growth understanding that it can be completely hard and that i don't think there's any way in which we can like empathize empathize empathizar <laughs> completely with that yeah it's just like you know just if you're the happiest already just keep being happy and if you're good be grateful for what you have and if you're in a complicated circumstance just try to take the best out of that Um, I think Peterson puts it very well and he says, life is difficult. Life will most definitely kill you and it will try more than once. If every time life tries to kill you, you become bitter and you aren't grateful that you're still alive, you're not living. Mm. Life literally tries to kill you the moment you're born. And it also gives you an incredible amount of things. And I think no one gets away with anything. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah before like yeah before we finish it like we're not perfect you know and i don't think neither jose or me completely comply with all of these rules nor will we ever ever it's just like you know something we like to take into account and that i think it's fun like nice for all of us to think about it's like maybe there's going to be one sentence about this episode that's going to make you think about something in your life you want to change and that's more than enough yeah and it's i think it's it was there's a line in 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 the pirates of the caribbean where they're citing the rules of the pirate code and somebody says it's more like a you know like an ethics code more than a rule book like this is exactly it it's 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 more a code that you should abide by rather than rules that you should follow. Uh, and I think that the best thing that you can do with these is actually ask yourself if you do it and if you think it's important for you. And, yeah. and if it's not, then you'll you'll probably find something else to explore. Mm. Thank you very much. And remember... That nobody... Gets away with... Anything. And see you next Monday. See you next Monday. Remember to watch us on YouTube, Spotify, Substack, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcast from. Bye.